What is happening? Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepherd, and this is episode number 44. Before we go any further, I need to say that this episode was recorded a couple of months ago before any of the current measures were in place. I hope you are, by the way, all staying safe and well through this very, very strange old time. Today's guest is Megan Algalani. Megan is the youngest ever female to run the famous route from John O'Groats to Land's End, totally unsupported. Her journey, however, didn't come without its hardships, both before and after the run. I enjoyed this conversation so much, and I hope you do as well. Megan Algalani is on Why in the World. Megan, how are you? Not too bad, thanks. How yeah. are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Good. Thanks for uh, making the trip over to Chester. Yeah, lovely. It's very nice to come here. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> nice place, isn't it? Yeah, I actually used to go to university in Bangor, North Wales, so okay. I came to Chester quite often then. So it's quite nice to come back. Let's start there then. Let's start at university, university. in Bangor. Because that's kind of where everything began for you when we look at the outdoors, isn't yeah. it? When everything kind of sprouted if you will yes talk us through how the love for the outdoors began and okay. uh, why yeah you kind of got into it so i actually grew up in manchester but in manchester i never really had any sort of interest in anything outdoors um and then i chose to go to bangor to university no specific reason at all it's just a fact that i got in there mm. i just was like okay I'll go there and when I went for the open day I just thought this place is really lovely and then when I got there I don't really know what led to it but I just ended up going on lots of different kind of small walks just around the area I think I was feeling a bit homesick um, a little bit maybe lonely so it was just a way of filling up time and it was also quite nice just to kind of do that on my own I guess the friends that I made were quite interested in hiking and we were all quite new to it so as a group we ended up kind of going up Snowdon and um, I remember the first time I went up Snowdon and I thought this is absolutely amazing and I really just fell in love with it. So then I just kind of started going to less lectures and um, on more hikes <laughs> and um, I just was out all the time and people would end up messaging me when they were in lectures saying, where are you Megan? And I said, oh, do you even need to ask? <laughs> and everyone knew that I was just kind of up a mountain and it doesn't matter like what the weather was, mm. it just I just fell in love with the kind of being outside I just kind of felt at home I guess yeah. in the mountains yeah what was it about the mountains that gave you that homely feel why did you have that I think maybe because it was just so open mm. I didn't feel kind of restricted or claustrophobic like now I live in Manchester city centre so now where I live there's no freedom I feel like you, your thoughts are easily kind of your thoughts can easily overwhelm you and I felt at university I was very lost in between like parties and alcohol and um, kind of maybe mixing with the wrong crowds so I felt like when I was out in the mountains mm. there was nothing there to kind of to confuse me or to disorientate me this is a weird way of putting it but were the mountains kind of like a little bit therapeutic to you did oh, you see 100%. that time as like therapy yeah. almost I think so yeah 100% and I still do now I still mm. find any time outside therapeutic I find it really relaxing and I find that if I'm going through something really difficult then just spending however much time outside even if it's not that long really brings some kind of clarity I guess and I found that at university a lot you surrounded yourself in university, I believe, with a with a group of people as well that were also enjoying the mountains and yeah. also loved the I made outdoors. some really good friends. 
was it over the outdoors that you kind of bonded? Yeah, I think so. Like, we were all on the same course. We all studied English literature. There's three of them. So there's Emma, Emma and Kerry, who I'm really close with now. We ended up creating a really lovely bond. Mm. And at the end of university, we decided to hike all eight routes of Snowden in four days for charity. Um, So that was our first sort of mission together. And we loved it. It was just so much fun. And we found that... You know, we'd, we'd always go out partying together and stuff like that, which is great because we have a good laugh. But then we found that when we were in the mountains, it was just the memories are so much stronger, I guess. So we did that together and then we did the three peaks, um, but we did it three legged, <laughs> which was obviously bonkers. We were in pairs and then we t- chained our like, legs together. And that was just a hilarious experience. And my friend John, who was also part of our really lovely group of friends, um, he was like our driver and he's, we're all still so close today and we're always trying to plan to go for hikes and stuff like that together. How did that even come about? Right, so you do the three <laughs> peaks as a normal challenge. It's difficult. Lots people have done it but it is difficult it's (laughs) something that a lot of people do for charity what was the conversation between Uh, you and the girls when you're like you know what let's do this but let's do it we were talking about doing the three peaks and then there's my friend so Kerry is absolutely bonkers she's basically like (laughs) sunshine if it was a person she's the loveliest person but she always comes out with ridiculous ideas and she just kind of said um you know oh why don't we do it blindfolded oh why don't we do it backwards (laughs) and then she just said oh why don't we do it three-legged and I was like hey that would work and then Emma Becca Madison she's called she said yeah you know what that could work and then Emma Jones we had to try and convince her a little bit but then eventually she was like all right let's try that and then we did a like a test run of it me and Kerry and we had the chain on too tightly and we ended up doing like a trial and error sort of thing and we ended up figuring out and yeah we did it all three-legged and everyone thought we were absolutely mad <laughs> yeah, when people were passing you on the track oh they thought we were bonkers they were like they, they loved it because they were just I don't know maybe because it was four girls together doing this challenge three legged I think first of all whenever I go hiking I see more guy groups I guess together I thought you were going to say it's not often you see someone three legged I'm like I've never seen that <laughs> no no I don't actually I see more kind of guys hiking than I do women so I think four women together very young hiking three-legged I think everyone was just a bit stunned by it Mm. and they were just a bit like all right why are you doing this and it was great because then we could share you know the charity that we were doing it with and we ended up raising quite a lot of money on all the kind of occasions where we've done something for charity but I think um, people just felt quite it just made people happy really Mm. because it was just so silly it just made people quite happy (laughs) I think charity things like that as well are are really cool because they're different they're like something that not many people have seen before I saw one where a guy was going up Snowden in a in a pair of high heels like oh, I've seen uh, like that, size yeah. 11 high heels or something You're like oh, probably don't mad. do that because it's pretty dangerous like there's a lot of ankle oh, breaking so much territory for him to do that <laughs> like god i can barely even walk in high heels myself <laughs> snowdonia is a place then um obviously being in manchester you live quite close to a few national parks but mm. does snowdonia hold quite a special place in yeah, your heart yeah i always have this craving just to go to Snowdon specifically or Snowdonia I just always want to go there because I just I find it's it's the place where I kind of truly kind of discovered who I am and what kind of person I am and what kind of things I like to do and what it is that makes me feel alive so I guess I've got that connection to Snowdonia and I always look to Snowdonia specifically and I just always have quite happy memories associated with there so yeah it all kind of started Snowdonia then and then obviously what we're kind of here to talk about is your 
Jonah Goes to Land's End, which yeah. is unbelievable. Equally um, mad. <laughs> equally as mad. Uh, I would say probably a little bit more mad, but at least you didn't do that three-legged. That would have been even more crazy. Oh, um, no. What What is the record? So I am the young... Well, as far as I'm aware, I'm the youngest woman to run from John O'Grace to Land's End completely unsupported. Okay. It is an incredible, incredible feat, and to do it unsupported over over that distance, which is... Yeah, it was... I mean, it counted up to just over a 1,000 miles, okay. um, and I did it over 40 days, had several rest days in between. My longest day was actually my first day, which was just ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> um, but that was 32 miles, and my shortest day was probably just under 10 miles. Let's go right back to the start, and when this idea kind of was festering right. why was this something you wanted to do and where did this idea kind of come from because you hadn't done a huge amount of running by no. this point right to cut a long a very long story short <laughs> at university I loved hiking fell in love with hiking after university I went through a really bad breakup which really crumbled me because I'm a really really sensitive person so I felt very down and I felt like I was in a very dark place so I spent so much time just hiking at places that were close to me and then I just decided one day oh I'll you know what I'll go for a run there wasn't really any reason to it I just felt like going for a run Mm. and I went for a run and then I just kept running and I really just enjoyed the movement. I wasn't obsessed with the distance or how long I'd be running for. I just really enjoyed the kind of, it was the movement of the running. Mm. It was The meditative nature of it almost. Yeah, it was just, it was like, it's like water, you know, like, you know, like the tide and it comes in and it goes out and it's just so relaxing. I just found the pace of running really quite therapeutic. So... I kept running and running and then I ended up signing up to a half marathon before I even did the half marathon I quickly signed up to a marathon and then when I was doing all my training I just really wanted to do something more it wasn't that a marathon didn't feel enough but it was just that I really was kind of getting hooked on having a challenge Mm. so I kind of did a bit of research and at that point in my life I really wanted to do a bit of traveling so I kind of thought okay well what kind of run could I do that would involve traveling, that wouldn't be that expensive, but it would allow me to see more of the country that I live in. So I kind of thought, oh, well, people cycle John O'Groats, and John O'Groats and Land's End, you know, that enables you then to see your whole entire country. (laughs) But then I realised I'm not much of a cyclist because I don't really enjoy the movement of cycling. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of thought walking would take way too long. So then I thought, okay, well, I love running. How about I run it? And I was talking to my boyfriend, Brendan, about it. And he was fully supportive of the decision. So then I spoke to my family and I said, I'm going to run from John O'Groats to Land's End this year. And I've come out with a lot of crazy ideas. So they were kind of like, all right, okay, cool, you do that. But then I started, when I was training for my marathon, I was training to do this run as well. Mm. And I was fully set on the idea. And everyone thought I was quite mad to think that. Um, But overall, I had quite a lot of support. It just kind of happened. It was just, it was a challenge. It was just the, the idea of having a challenge was really inviting to me. You know, when you told your family, did they think that it was actually going to happen? Or did they think, oh, this know. is just something she's saying? Oh, you know what? I really don't know. Because I think, to a point, they believed me. I think to an element, they thought, oh, she might really do this. <laughs> but I think it was more kind of fear, maybe. Okay. I thought they were thinking you know, oh, maybe this is a bit too ridiculous. Mm. Um, but as I was training for my marathon and they saw how dedicated I was and the, the kind of more I told him that, you know, I'm just going to 
take it easy I'm going to try and do it so that I'm matching my own potential rather than forcing myself to do something that I can't do mm. um, they became really supportive and I think overall when it got to the last month they were like you know shit she's really gonna do this <laughs> was training was it intense so taking into consideration I've never run before I started running about two years before I actually decided to do this run I'd only ever ran a half marathon I ran my first full marathon a month before I started this run it was really intense it's crazy <laughs> yeah. it's like me being like I want to be an astronaut and in two years I'm going to space <laughs> yeah it was, literally it. it was mad and there was a solid six months when I was training for it and I'd basically just um, in between work I would just be running as much as I can running every day like a lot of intense kind of yoga stretches started training with weights because obviously I'd be doing it unsupported and I'd have a lot of weight in my backpack yeah it, it was ridiculously intense <laughs> people always ask why and you've kind of covered a, f- a few reasons why you wanted to mm. do it and you mentioned that you wanted a challenge yeah. and you wanted to kind of see the country a little bit more and stuff but it was was there any other why? So when I did the three peaks with my friends, I met a man called Luke. And Luke was telling me about a charity he set up called School in a Bag. And their intention is basically to provide um, school bags packed with different tools and equipment to enable children all around the world to have an education. And education is something I'm really passionate about because a few years ago, when I was probably about 16, 17 went to Kenya to visit my uncle and ended up, as a result, setting up a charity to help rebuild a school out there. And it's just always something I've been very passionate about. So when I met Luke, um, his story really stuck with me about his charity and I really wanted to do something to contribute. So that was another reason I really wanted to raise money for a charity that I really cared about. Um, But the other thing was that I really wanted to travel and I'd always felt like I really wanted to travel abroad, like all around the world. But then, I guess, after university, when I was hiking a lot and I saw, you know, how beautiful the places around my doorstep are, I'd realised that, you know, there's so many places in the UK I've not seen. I've not seen Scotland, I've not Mm. seen Cornwall. And these are some of the most beautiful places in the world. Do you think the UK is underrated when it comes to sort of beauty? So many parts of the UK are underrated. Cornwall, when I did this run and I got to see Cornwall, I was absolutely, like, blown away. Mm. I thought it was just paradise. Scotland is so sublime and Wales like like I said at university yeah. I fell in love with Wales because it's just I mean I swear Wales is like always voted the top on Lonely Planet isn't it it's banging I mean in the <laughs> it's banging yeah. in the in the nice weather when the sky's blue I don't think there's any better place than no. Snowdonia I just think it's a beautiful beautiful insane yeah. place it's just gorgeous and everything's like I've spoken to a few people now that have been to and seen massive massive mountains mm. and they say it's basically the same just on a little level yeah. which is really cool it's like a nice thing to hear isn't it it's nice mm. that we've got that beauty in this country exactly and I think it is underrated because people are so desperate to go and see incredible places all around the world especially with the impact of social media and lies people yeah. are, are desperate to kind of go and explore and but really in the UK there's so many places like mm. that so I really had an urge to go explore the places on my doorstep so that was another reason let's talk about the run itself then yeah. you get up to Scotland what were your family and friends thinking this was just an idea to start with and now it's actually coming to fruition yeah. were they nervous there was this energy that I think everyone felt because it was such a huge task that I had taken upon myself that I think people really started to realise oh this is actually going to happen yeah. and I just felt this incredible support so 
my family were really supportive but my friends more than anything were so supportive and it was just every single day they bombarded me with messages of support and I just felt like this cloud over my head like a positive cloud though (laughs) where it was just this energy constantly pouring into me and it was just people people support but when I arrived at John O'Groats I think everyone was just dead like oh she's gonna start she's gonna do it but more than anything Brendan my boyfriend he was quite nervous because I'm actually hearing impaired so I can't hear anything out of my um, left ear my right ear got like 33% hearing so he was really anxious about the fact that I'd actually be on a lot of um, quite busy roads with cars constantly passing me and I actually can't hear the cars until they're right next to me Right. Um, so he was really quite anxious about that and also the fact that I, I was 22 when I started a very small you know, not very muscly woman mm. um, and, you know, not really able to protect myself if anything mm. was to happen. So it was kind of the anxiety of that as well. Taking that first step must have been kind of like a, a bit of a release for you. You've been thinking about this for so long, you've been training for it for so long and suddenly, oh, this is actually happening. Yeah. Is that a moment that kind of sticks in your head? Yeah, massively. It's like, there was two moments at the start that stick in my head. One is when I got off the coach because when I got off the coach at John O'Groats, all I could hear were bagpipes and at the sign, next to the sign, what marks the start, this famous pinnacle, there was a man playing bagpipes and it was just a magical moment and that always sticks with me because it felt like, you know, I was meant to hear the bagpipes. Mm. (laughs) Um, But then, yeah, that first moment, I think it was five to seven, I was already been there a few minutes and there was no one there and it was, the sun was already really high in the sky and there was just one other man actually there and he came up to me a few minutes earlier and he took a he took a photo and he was talking to me and he was saying you know what are you doing <laughs> and I said oh god I'm about to run across the country and he got this camera and he was like can I take a picture of you because I like to take pictures of like peculiar things and I think you're really, pe- really peculiar <laughs> for wanting to do this I always remember that and he had like barely any teeth in his mouth and when I was setting off like he was just stood over by the fishing huts and he was just giving this massive big wave and I was on the phone to Brenda when I set off as well and um, he called me up and kind of counted me down which sounds dead cheesy but yeah, I needed cool, it man. because I, like I, it. I couldn't get myself to go and then I remember this moment because I was like finally going and I felt like the wind was with me and everything and he just kind of said I can I can hear your feet I can hear your feet moving and you know that's mad to think that your tiny mm. little feet are going to run across the whole country does it feel real it feels like this part of my life that was almost a dream Mm. when you look back at it how do you feel about that journey Um, mix you know so when I look back I don't give myself enough credit for what I did obviously when I finished it it was incredible but it affected me physically a lot so I ended up having a massive iron deficiency and anyone who's had an iron deficiency will know that um, it really affects you mentally it really massively affected me. So I went through quite a dark period mentally and I had a lot of personal things going on as well in my own life to do with family. Um, so I was ended up being in a really quite bad place after my run. So I kind of look back and sometimes I think, oh, if I never did that, all of this would never have happened. Mm. But then I think, no, because if I never did that, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I, I am really proud of who I am today because I'm a much stronger person because I did that run. And I got so many things out of that run and it was just such an incredible experience. So I think overall, even though there are things there that have caused 
quite a lot of difficulty since, which I think comes with anything. Yeah. Ultimately, I think it was an incredible experience, and I'm really proud that I did that. Sounds like almost the you know the, the time directly after it, you look back at it with a little bit of resentment, maybe. But now you've kind of maybe realised that. You know, not everybody can do that and you should be very proud of yourself and like even you just said with your own words, sometimes you don't give yourself enough credit. I think it's yeah. something that you that you definitely should give yourself credit for. But that's quite a difficult thing to do. It like, is. I think in this in this state of the world that we live in as well, where you have got social media where it looks like everyone's living a perfect life. Which is so false. It's just mm. the most ridiculous thing ever because, you know, no one looks like that all the time or has a life like that all all the time at all. So I think it's really... It took a very, very long time for me to be able to accept the fact that I've done something absolutely incredible mm. and to be proud of that. It's weird, isn't it? Because when you say... It's almost looked down upon when you say, oh, I'm proud of myself. And it's very strange that. Yeah. I mean, you you I should think, be proud of yourself. Again, more so, as a woman, when you say, I'm really proud of myself, sometimes you are conceived as being vain almost or too proud and I think I I have had that experience I've had that experience where I've said oh I'm really proud that I did this run and then I've had somebody else with me saying oh but you could have done it faster I think those people need to either go and do it themselves (laughs) or (laughs) you know you meet people in life that are like that yeah and you always do in every sort of facet of your life I think Mm. you just smile Exactly. No, just ask us what I do That's now. What I've just smile. To do. Because yeah. you know 100% what you're putting into your life, mm-hmm. don't you? And you know how hard you're working and you know how hard you worked, how hard you trained, yeah. how much it took it out of you before, after, during. So Exactly. Like only you knows what you've been through and how that's felt. And I think only you know that you're worth whatever you do people seem to feel like and I'm the same you have to prove yourself all the time but you don't it's about proving itself to yourself and feeling like you are enough because you are that's taken me a long time to figure out this world now with that pressure with the Mm. this kind of social media sphere that we live in do you think that is affecting people's sort of mental health and everyday life and how they feel about themselves I think so I think so definitely and I think it's a huge problem Mm. I think People need to talk about it more because I think people do feel like they have to live to a, up to a standard or they have to, you know, work towards a massive goal. Especially, I think, in the sport world, in the adventure world, you always feel like you have to do something bigger and better than anything that's been done before. And I obviously did this massive big run that the youngest person to have done it and no, not, not, no woman, especially here in impaired, had done anything like that before. Now I look back and I think... It's not about doing those big, massive things. It's actually about all the small things in between that give you that fulfilment. Mm. You know, there's a balance there. You don't have to do something massive all the time. There was obviously some dark, dark pieces of those 40 days, I would imagine. Let's cover the dark side of things first, because then, you know, the happy side is the nice side. So talking about the dark side of stuff, was there any moments, any certain days, any, any parts of the run that really stuck out as really difficult hard parts there was a few really difficult parts because I think I had always been someone who maybe bottled things up a little bit so all the things in the past that really affected me that almost led me to doing this run um, because I felt like I had to prove something to myself because of all these other things that may have happened so those things came up a lot and I had no choice but when I was in absolutely agonising pain but I had to keep going because there was nowhere to stop and I had no food or water 
you know, those things came up and it was really hard, but it really taught me how to deal with it in a way. Um, but there was one specific difficult day that kind of, well, there was two, <laughs> but that really stand out. So there was one day when I was in kind of Manchester and I was doing a marathon through the Peak District, uh, starting around a place called Dubstones and ending at Edale. And it was a really familiar route because it's a route that I've hiked and ran before. But I was on my period and it was just, oh, it was horrific. <laughs> it was burning hot. So when I did this run, by the way, it was that horrific heat wave in the UK that was mad um, the whole time. But this specific day, it was really, really hot. It was really dusty. And because I was on my period, I'd felt incredibly bloated. And I honestly felt like I was just going to explode. <laughs> and it was really, really painful. And I remember literally limping to the end where my dad and his wife were waiting for me and Brendan and my friend. And I just burst out crying. And I thought I couldn't... I said to, my, said to him, I don't think I'm going to be able to carry on. I don't know if I can do this. And then I just slept on it and carried on. <laughs> <laughs> then you were all right the next day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. But kind of. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, you probably already run how many days by that I point? I think I was just numb at that point. <laughs> but at that point, gosh, I don't even know on top of my head. It was maybe like 15. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. A lot of days and a lot of miles by yeah. that point. So that's dark. That was dark a really bad day. Dark day number one. But then the second one, which was the worst one by far, I was only like a week from the end. I was on a southwest coastal path going towards a place called Bude. And that day could have been a shorter day, but I decided to make it a longer day so I could have a rest day the next day. Because it would be my last opportunity to have a rest day and the southwest coastal path if anyone doesn't know is absolutely beautiful but it is horrific because it is just basically you're going up a mountain just to come all the way back down to sea level and it's just on repeat and again it was one of the hottest days of the run i'd run out of food i'd run out of water i had no signal i had low battery on my phone so i couldn't listen to music to help me through and um, there was no shade there was no shelter and it was just so painful. The path was overgrown. There was thorns everywhere. There was horse flies attacking me. Um, it was so painful. And I just remember getting to this bit. I saw these people, and it was like the first people I'd seen that day. So I was already getting hysterical on them. I said to them, well, you know, is that a road up there? <laughs> Does that lead me to a road? And they said, um, yeah, yeah, it's not too far from Bude. And obviously in a car, it doesn't seem that far, does it? But on feet, on, on your feet, it's quite a distance. So I went on this path and I got to this road and I was literally like crawling at this point. And I was just done with any more hills. I didn't want any more hills. I was like praying to not see another hill. And of course I saw another hill and I got to the bottom of this hill and I was like delirious because I was probably a bit dehydrated. And um, I ended up tripping up because I wasn't looking where I was going. And I just fell in the middle of this road at the bottom of this hill. And I just I just lay there. I was just like, I am not getting up. I just don't want to get up. And then obviously I realised that was ridiculous. And I tried to get up. But then literally my body was shutting down. I couldn't move my legs. I couldn't feel my feet. And um, every time I tried to get myself on my knees, my legs would just crumble beneath me. And I was just, I was, I was really quite scared, to be honest, because... I didn't know where I was and I didn't know what I was going to do. And then a car pulled up next to me. I didn't obviously think stranger danger or anything like that. <laughs> um, I just kind of started crying. And then this person at the car, there was a couple in maybe the late 20s and they literally dragged me into the car and I was hysterical in this car. I was just crying and in pain and I was, couldn't feel my body. 
and they were so lovely and the dog in the back seat was just licking my face <laughs> and, um, which I obviously liked at the time I, I thought that was lovely mm. and then they dropped me off in my hostel and it feels like a daze that it feels like you know, like a mirage a memory, yeah. <laughs> it feels like it wasn't real but that was by far the worst day and I just collapsed in like a very cold bath and I just went straight to bed afterwards and tried to recover yeah, I spent the whole the next day in the sea, and that really helped just kind of relieve my muscles. Yeah, like and reinvigorate your body almost. Basically. <laughs> Bad days. Was, done. Yeah. You've done them. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about good moments, because obviously 40 days, an incredible journey. Mm. I'm sure there were some incredible moments. I know you raised uh, a good amount of money for a, an amazing charity as well. So these things must stick out. But are there anything that, are there any moments particularly that for you remain very, very special? Yeah, there's quite a few. It is hard to list them, so I'm just going to choose a few. But um, to be honest, the highlight of the run was the people because I really realised I'm, I'm a people person and being around people is a very human thing. It's a very natural thing. And it really, um, it, it, it was almost like how the sea can awaken you, people can awaken you and make you feel good again. So days I spent on my own, the whole day in pain, as soon as I saw a person, it was a relief. And there was a few days when... Um, I came across people who were just so lovely. Um, there was one day in Port Isaac on the Southwest Coastal Path, and I stayed with this lovely couple who were actually from Manchester, awesome. <laughs> which was quite um, a chance. And I remember being sat outside their kind of front garden with them and their next door neighbour, and it overlooked the sea, and it was beautiful, and it was sunset. And I said to them, oh, I really want to go swim in the sea. And they were like, do it. And I just... I would have never thought years ago that that is something that I would do. It sounds silly, but just to be able to sit there and feel brave enough to be like, okay, I'm going to go swim in the sea. Like, at sunset, it it might sound so silly to some people, but to me, that was a really big thing because five years ago, I would have never done that. So they gave me a wetsuit um, and I went down and I I ran down this hill and everyone who was going up the hill, the dogs were like looking at me like, what's she doing? Because it was just me running down this hill in a wetsuit. (laughs) 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 Um, And there was this restaurant that looked over the kind of um, like cove, I guess. And I ran into the sea and all these people in this restaurant were just watching. (laughs) And I just felt like so free and I just was swimming in the sea the sunset was just coming down over the water in the middle of the kind of cove and it was just an amazing moment Mm. and I felt this is what it feels like to say yes and I really just felt alive Mm. and I really loved that moment there was another moment in Scotland as well where I got a little bit lost I was just outside Edinburgh and I'd been on roads all morning so I came off a road onto just a path and I got myself lost so I came around this corner and I was in this really big field, like an open circle shaped field. And there was some deer in the field and there was um, like a like a mother deer with her two little babies. And the mother deer just like jumped away. She was like startled. So she jumped away. But then the two little babies, like the little bambies, <laughs> they, um, they both came over and I stood there like a rock because I didn't want to scare them because I thought this is amazing. But they just both came over really, really slowly right up to my feet and they started sniffing my legs and my yeah. feet and like, and I kind of just went, Hello. <laughs> and um, they jumped back a little bit, but then they started just dancing around me. That's cool. And it was just so special that. And I, I remember crying a little bit because I thought, this is such a special moment. People don't realise that people are actually nice. 
as well yeah. they? like flashing back to the first story you're saying like you're a people person and that human connection is such an important thing to have yeah. and I always think about it sometimes when you're like on a train or on a tube or you're traveling and everybody looks so upset and you're like just just smile yeah just, like, just be happy because I 100% agree with that I think every day when I'm walking around Manchester I always try and smile at people on my way to work or whether whatever I'm doing because just a smile you see people's reaction and they're like oh she just smiled at me people are surprised by it and it's just it's just <laughs> people just, think you're weird yeah <laughs> you're the weird one yeah but it's really lovely and I think it makes somebody stay like if you just smile at someone just say hello talk me through the finish line moment then so that, um, there was a moment on the run when I stayed where the charity's based go on a bag and I met, met up with Luke and that was in a Yeovil which I think is in the Somerset area and um, he said that and he was like oh I said to him, do you want to join me for the last stretch? So he came with, like, met me at the end. So we met in Penzance, and we, which also, that was another bizarre moment because I got a little bit lost in Penzance on the way to meeting Luke. And I came along this road, just a normal sort of suburban road, and there was a peacock just walking down the road. And I just thought, am I dreaming this? <laughs> is this, this a is, Yeah, who, who sees a peacock walking down the road? Like, it was so weird. But yeah, so Luke, That was the last thing I was expecting yeah, you to say. Yeah, a peacock, <laughs> like a full, massive, brightly coloured peacock. And just casually, like, having a little meow. Bye, yeah. And I, I literally thought to myself, I must be dreaming this. Um, but Luke met me in Penzance and we ran together for the last, I mean, I think it's probably like 12 miles from Penzance to Land's End. The night before, I had actually stayed in St. Ives with this lovely woman called Deborah and her daughter. And uh, we had like a barbecue on the beach and we, you know, went in the sea at sunset and clapped as the sun fell beneath the sea and Beautiful. watched as the seals kind of jumped up around us. So that was a magical moment. And then, yeah, met Luke and Penzance after bumping into the peacock and um, we ran the last 12 miles and it was a really strange feeling because I was like finally at the end and it was one of the days where I ran and I didn't really stop I just kept running I mean I think I ran probably six miles without stopping which obviously the run obviously I'm going to stop every few miles because it's painful a long way so to run six miles at pretty much a normal pace even though I've got this massive backpack I really realized how much stronger I was and how much strength I'd gained yeah, it was a really surreal moment because I was finally here near the end and I remember coming over this hill and Brendan actually drove past me at that point because he was meeting us at the end. So he was like beeping his horn and I was like, Brendan! <laughs> <laughs> and I was getting loads of texts from friends and family saying, oh my God, you're near the end. Yeah, and then I came over this hill and I could see the sea and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so close. We ran into Land's End and there was all these cars at the... I mean, the place itself is really underwhelming <laughs> such as John O'Groats as well it's a very underwhelming place but because of what you've done it's very overwhelming um, and there was loads of cars like parked up and they were all beeping their horns because obviously I had this massive union flag um, oh, so hanging cool. off my backpack so people were probably thinking yeah she's done something mad and it was just a really overwhelming moment and I came round this corner and Brendan was running now with us at this point along with Luke and me and I saw the sign and I was just like oh the sign is there and um then there's a chain to stop you from seeing the sign and there's a photographer and i was thinking screw this and i jumped over this chain and then i hugged the sign and i was crying my eyes out and i was exhausted 
And then this man says, you're going to have to move yourself from there. <laughs> and I was just like, you can F up. <laughs> Do you know what I've done? That's exactly what I said. I said, I have just ran across the country. I'm sitting here for a minute, please. Um, and then Luke and Brendan was like, just give her a second. <laughs> um, and then I moved myself so these people could take the photo because they were in line. And then... Oh, God. I know. And then... And then um, there was literally it was like an American tourist couple as well and they were they were just there with their camera and their baseball caps and I was like okay they're in line they can take their photo and then they left and then I did it all again and um, I had I'm on much of a champagne person but I really fancied a Books Fizz which is just obviously the cheapest thing ever but I really fancied it <laughs> so Brendan had this bottle of Books Fizz and it was just a really surreal moment and I didn't really quite process anything at that point I just kind of thought, right, I don't have to run <laughs> now. I imagine nothing has kind of ever felt like that moment. No, yeah, it was really... It was, even now when I look back at it, it kind of gets me a little bit emotional because it's just kind of like... I mean, you've just ran all of this way and you've just dealt with all these demons and you've just met all these amazing people and you've... But it was also equally... I've just done all these things and I still don't have a clue what I'm going to do in my life. <laughs> um, and it was just kind of... You get there and you're thinking this is amazing and then you're also thinking you know what now so it was quite an overwhelming moment and it's taken you know it's taken a year and a half to process it still do you think you processed it yet um i think i'm getting there yeah i think because afterwards it was such a come down and to be honest in all honesty i've had to go to therapy quite a lot to deal with it and to deal with the personal impacts it's had um i feel like it's only really in the past three months maybe I've actually really come to process it and I can actually say to myself you've done something that an awful lot of people haven't had and you should be proud that you've done that Mm. so I think I I like to think I've processed it now yeah when you look at not only that run but running as a whole what are your feelings towards running Um, whenever I see a runner it always makes me smile because I always just think good on you because just to run a mile is difficult if you've not done that before. But for me, I've not ran properly, like more than 5K in quite a long time now. When I say a long time, I mean a few months. And it's just because I've, I guess, that movement of running that I love so much, I find that movement in hiking again now. I feel like I've gone in a circle. So I started with hiking, then went to running, and then I came down quite a lot and I really struggled with running because every time I ran, I would almost have this sort of post-traumatic stress reaction. Um, so it kind of made me scared about running. So yeah. then I've got back into hiking again. So now I'm back into hiking again. So maybe I'll come back to running, you know, in a, maybe. maybe a year or two. I'll do Just some... please promise me you won't do anything three-legged. No. Please. <laughs> don't come in that much of yeah. a circle. I but don't think that's a good thing. I still, I have nothing against running. Um, I have like no grudge against it. Yeah. I just, at the moment, I'm really enjoying hiking. Do you think that it's important now having kind of processed it a year and a half on to be open and honest with with your story yeah I think so I think you've in order to understand the run you've got to understand what led to the run and what's happened after the run so I'm very open about my personal experiences and I'm actually writing a book at the moment I'm in the early stages of it but my way of processing it is writing this book and I've I've been torn because I've been thinking a lot like okay, how honest can I be? So I'm kind of writing it at a moment for me and then my second draft will be for everyone else. But I've learned that you have to be open. I'm a very open person. I'm a very open book. I don't, I don't really hide how I feel about things. So 
I find that being open is very freeing. Is there any such thing as being too honest? Mm, I don't think so. No. I guess it depends who you are and who you're with, but... For me, I don't feel like there's such a thing as being too honest. I think anything that you say, you should always say it in consideration that of who you're saying it to. You should always be kind and you should always, you know, be friendly. But I don't think there's such a thing as being too honest. I mean, that advice, I think, is pretty fantastic. And I'm excited <laughs> to read the book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to read the book. Yeah. Just, like, jotting that stuff down, though, must bring back those memories like Absolutely, really to yeah. the forefront of your memory to be honest writing this book and kind of going through the process of it it's really made me realize that there was a lot more things to it like i think when you look at your whole life you realize everything has led you to a moment so i think going through it has just made me realize all the chapters of my life that led me to that run and how there was so much more there which I hadn't acknowledged really it's interesting looking back and also when I'm looking back at doing the run it's just I don't know again it seems unreal (laughs) it just seems like such an unreal experience it happened yeah exactly it definitely happened I'm writing it out as if it's fiction and I'm like no this happened (laughs) it's amazing Once again, a big thank you to Megan for coming over to Chester a couple of months ago to get that one recorded. I loved that conversation and I hope you enjoyed it as well. What an incredible journey. And I, for one, cannot wait for the book. If you don't follow our Instagram, by the way, that is at whyintheworldpod. Pop us a follow and we will follow you back. Over the past few weeks, we've been doing some Instagram lives and we're going to do some more as we continue to progress through lockdown hopefully they provide you with a little bit of light relief between episodes and of course our usual episode schedule will continue we will be dropping another brand new episode in two weeks time if you've been enjoying the show and you haven't rated and reviewed yet on apple podcasts i would ask you to do that if you have some time it really helps us out and thank you so much if you have done that in the past couple of weeks until we drop a new episode i hope you stay safe i hope you stay well and we'll catch you again in two weeks time